You've tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. My name is Oliver Queen. My name is Barry Allen. You're blind, but you see so much. Everything we've been doing, it all leads here. Suit up. Jim Gordon, GCPD. I hear good things about you, Counselor. Harvey Dent. Likewise, about you, Detective. You think you know me, but I've never been more than what each of you has created. <laughs> Just look at the flowers. All right, Daniel, here we are. We're going to be recording a extra-large episode, an overstuffed episode, if you will. Which I have no problem with that. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. So, folks, listeners, if you do, if you hadn't noticed, we we did miss a week. We did miss an episode last week. Uh, it's because both Daniel and myself happened to be born in February, yeah. <laughs> in close proximity to each other, as in uh, day wise. So uh, we both we took the week off. We decided to celebrate our birthdays, not together, but you know, same same uh, ha- have you what have you. Uh, but we did both end up in LA, yeah. so there you go. <laughs> uh, like we did, we did report earlier. We tried to get tickets to the Talking Dead for the premiere episode of the Walking Dead this uh, second half of season six, seven, six. six? Is it six? Yes. Sure, why not? <laughs> Uh, but unfortunately, even though we, I, th- I believe we got our names in really early, we didn't, we didn't get tickets. Sad face. <laughs> Sad face. So, but we had a great time in LA doing our separate things anyway. So, yep. uh, I went to Gallifrey one, uh, I was at Dr. Who convention. What about you, Daniel? Oh, what were you doing there? Disneyland. <laughs> Disneyland. See? Folks, don't try and question our geek cred. We are geeks through and through. <laughs> so there you have it. But getting back into it, Daniel, I know we have a lot of talk, a lot of episodes to talk about today. But let's let's see. Do you have any news items you want to talk about first? Um. Actually, you know what? Before we get into news items, let's talk about the other big comic book thing in the air right now. What did you think, Deadpool? Uh, to be completely honest, I'm actually seeing it tonight. I still haven't been able to see it. You haven't seen it yet? No. For shame, sir. For <laughs> shame. I've seen it twice now. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay, well then, you know what, folks? We'll save that for next time. We'll we'll talk to Daniel about what he thought of, De- of Deadpool. It was gonna, However. It we- was going to be 20 bucks oh. per ticket um, down in Anaheim to go see Deadpool. So I was like, yeah, let's just see it in Arizona. How about that? <laughs> 20 bucks per ticket where were you trying to go watch it at? it was at the amc um in downtown disney oh yeah i watched at a uh cinemark in uh the promenade at howard hughes so that was like 15 bucks a ticket so it wasn't cheap you yeah, know <laughs> <laughs> but fair enough Daniel, we will have to uh, wait till next time for that. All right. One of the things I saw that's interesting because of how many records and how well Deadpool is doing, how many records it's broken, uh, looks like we're more than likely going to get a R rating for the third Wolverine movie. Which I saw as well, and I'm excited. They're going to do Wolverine right. You know, I... 
I, I, I agree. I mean, Wolverine is definitely one of the characters that could lend itself greatly to an R-rated uh, version of him, especially with the brutality that Wolverine gets into. And, I mean, a Berserker Rage alone can could be so gory and so awesome on the big screen that, you know, I'm surprised that a R rating hasn't happened yet. Um, but I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to say this right now. I don't, I haven't really had a problem with the PG 13 versions of, of Wolverine that we've had so far. Have you even, even origins the one that we don't speak about? You, uh, we don't speak about it. <laughs> yes, this is true. But you know, origins was its own thing. It had its good parts. It had, uh, you know, the fight scenes between, Wolverine and, and Sabretooth are, are amazing, yeah. in my opinion, for that movie. So, even though the the worst taste that you can have from that movie is the Brock pool, <laughs> you still had Ryan Reynolds playing Wade Wilson in the beginning of the movie, which he did really well. Yeah, he did. Okay, people are dead now. <laughs> <laughs> you can come in. <laughs> I mean, he. he uh, I I I enjoyed it for what it was. Was it what was it the best X Men movie? No. Was it the worst one? Maybe. <laughs> it's <laughs> very possibly. It's tied with X Men Three: The Last Sand. <laughs> no, X Men Three is a good movie. I don't care what anybody says. I will fight people for that one. X Men Three is The Last Stand is a good movie, a good X Men movie at, at that. It's better than the first and second one. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Send your hate mail to me, people. Send it straight to Mitch at agent underscore of the underscore bat on Twitter. I will fight you on this one. Damn. <laughs> but I digress. Uh, an R-rated third Wolverine movie would be pretty awesome. Could we possibly get a uh, you know uh, old man Logan story? Hopefully, hey, it's possible that 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 could be awesome. We could. They definitely have to change around some of the characters since it's not. Uh, you'd have to put in Fox X Men characters instead of you know uh, Mar- Marvel characters that were in there like the Hulk or uh, um, Red Red Skull. But I think they could do it. So no incest. <laughs> I don't know. They could still they could still figure it out. Back. Yeah, I guess you're right. It could be, it, 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 there could be some character in the X Men universe that the that could pull the the whole clan <laughs> incest storyline. Wanda and uh, and Pietro. Pietro, there you go. It could happen, or it could maybe it's Pietro and 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 Polaris. Ooh, that's true. I mean, Pietro's kind of got an obsession with his father too. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> before uh, before we move forward, I want to give you kudos for uh, calling possibly you know the casting for Cable. Oh, dude! If Stephen Lang gets cast as Cable, I think that'd be uh, I think that'd be phenomenal. Are there other choices out there that could be just as good? Yeah, I, definitely. Um, I heard recently Steve uh, Brian Cranston, Whoa. though he doesn't look the car- the ca- the the you know the physical portion of the character uh, we know Brian Cranston's a good actor and he would definitely be a, a cash grab because you know everybody loves him yep. um, Liam Neeson Liam Neeson would be great too um, it, interesting again but Stephen Lang I think it would just be perfect for the role 
Uh, I, and I know most people will be like, well, he just did Avatar. He's just a military dude. He's always plays a military dude and all this stuff. I was like, I don't know. You look in, look at the show Into the Badlands. I think his character is much different than his character in Avatar, and he he does a great acting job in that, as well as still being a badass. Um, I remember there's a few episodes of Law and Order: Criminal Intent that he was in, that he plays a, a very methodical killer. So, I I think he has the acting. He has a little bit of an acting range that, if you know, done right, he could pull the character off perfectly. Awesome. Uh. But thank you. Thank you for bringing that <laughs> up. <laughs> uh, they have set a runtime for uh, Batman v Superman. Yep. Um, I think they said two hours and 40 minutes. Right. So Watchmen length. Yes. So there you go. Yeah, two hours or, or 151 minutes is what I see. Okay. Uh, that's... You know, that's – I can't imagine it being any shorter with as much as we've seen of this movie so far. Exactly. <laughs> there's going to there's gonna have to be so much in it. Um, so I think that's uh, a very big possibility or at least a very big uh, certainty that it might even still be too short just from what – I mean, I feel there might still be parts that are going to be rushed. Right. You know what I mean? Because they want to do so much with it. Did you have another one? Um, I um, I read an article saying that actually Ben Affleck is the best part of Batman Superman. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, Henry Cavill, we already saw him in Man of Steel. Yes, he does great as Superman. Sounds like they're going to have him focus more being on Clark Kent this time around. And I don't know. I, I Like, like I've, I've stated before, he, he doesn't have that thing that like Christopher Reeves did as Clark Kent or even um you know Tom Welling as Clark Kent he doesn't the thing is is that Cavill is so huge <laughs> and they put him in such tight clothing that he doesn't look like the bumbling um mild-mannered guy that Clark Kent needs to look like so that he looks different from Superman so that being said uh, who else is there that's going to outshine Ben Affleck? Who you can argue all day long whether or not you like his his acting or his acting style, but as he's gotten older, he's only gotten better. Look at Gone Girl. Yeah. Look at, uh, look at the town. Look at um, Argo. The, I mean, he's he's only gotten better with age, and he now as a director, award winning director, he he knows how to get or what kind of performances need to be done. So. I mean, what, Gail Godot, she's, she is, what, from the Fast and the Furious movies? Yep. What, what, what does she have underneath her belt? Um, Jesse Eisenberg? Social network. He's got, he's got the social network, but he's really playing a very certain type of character in, the, in a lot of his movies. A very neurotic guy. This one, I think he's, I think they're definitely making him step out of his comfort zone and, whether or not it pays off is going to be hell, is is what's going to be uh, seen on the screen. I can tell you now that I I've never been happy with his casting as Lex Luthor, and I still don't think I will be once the movie comes <laughs> out. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Ben Affleck being the, the the thing that shines the most in in that is is not surprising to me. Uh, one thing I did see also is that. 
apparently the rumor is, or a very strong possibility, that Lobo is going to be coming to Supergirl. Oh. Yeah. Huh. At least a version of, of him. So, which makes sense to me, because Supergirl is definitely turning out to be the 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 aliens of um the DC universe. So is whereas you got Flash is is the uh is all the metas and Arrow is all the vigilante type heroes or villains. These, uh, Supergirl is becoming all the aliens of the DC universe. So why not? Why not have Lobo, the main man, <laughs> the last Cesarian? <laughs> How do you feel about that? Who would you like to see play Lobo? I imagine if, since it's TV and it's still a, print, a, a new show, I, I don't think you'll, you'll get someone that's a name playing him. It'll probably be some somebody that you've seen in a couple things, but you don't really know who it is. But who would you like to see play Lobo? I don't know. I'm not going to lie. I kind of got did get excited over the rumor of Danny Trejo wanting to be Lobo if a movie were to go out. But um, I, oh, if 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 they were to make a movie, you'd have to get Danny Trejo to play him and Robert Rodriguez to to, to <laughs> film it, to direct it. It'd be a badass fucking Lobo movie. Explosions everywhere. Explosions, <laughs> explosions everywhere. Blood. blood. You know, someone pulling out entrails with a hook and <laughs> chain. You know, it'd be it'd be awesome. That would be the next R-rated movie, <laughs> R-rated comic book movie, to just fucking go crazy. But uh, to be honest, I don't really, I don't really know who could be the Lobo. What do you think? Like, who do you have in mind? I don't. I really don't know. Like, um. There's, I mean, there, obviously there's lots of great actors out there that could probably do it. I, I, I really don't know who would want to spend the time. I mean, would they do it CGI wise for his, his look or would they do it kind of like how they do Martian Manhunter? Would they do it more makeup wise? Like they did uh red tornado. Uh, some, some young up and coming Hispanic actor I think would be pretty cool. That would be. That would, I mean, that would be the best fit, in my opinion, but... <laughs> I, I would say Jay Hernandez, but he's already playing uh, Diablo in Suicide Squad. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah. So, we'll see. We'll see what they end up doing. If they, if he does come to the show. It's kind of just that rumor right now. A lot of rumors have been, you know, actually coming true, though, for TV shows. This is... Yeah, you're right. That's true. That's very true. Uh, Cool. That's all I have for for news right now. That's all I got to. All right then, folks. Let's uh, let's get right into it. Let's, we're talking Supergirl, so let's go ahead and keep that train rolling with the uh, episode of Supergirl. I don't know what if it was called it or not, but I call it the Black Mercy episode. That's fine with me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so this is a, a very like. Um, Iconic, I guess I, I want to say, uh, storyline in uh, Superman comics. It's uh, was it what? What do you get? The man who has everything. Storyline written by Alan Moore. Um, and in the story, in the comic book, you have Wonder Woman, Batman, and Robin showing up at the Fortress of Solitude on Superman's birthday. To uh, you know, give him a gift, and they find him on the floor with the Black Mercy on his chest, 
just kind of like how we see uh, Supergirl on the floor in in the in the episode. Uh, how did you feel about you know the idea that they are using like because the episode before this was Bizarro, so how do you feel about the idea that they're using a lot of Superman stories in Supergirl, like almost to the point that they haven't really looked into Supergirl stories to to translate to screen? I think uh, we we've covered this a couple of times um, already that. I, you're right, you're right. You know, that there's not that many iconic, you know, Supergirl stories. So they have to borrow, kind of like how Green Arrow is borrowing from Batman a lot. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> and I think right now it might just be to the point where they have to borrow stories um, until maybe like season two where they're like, okay, I think the show has enough to get on its own feet that we can start doing original stories. Fair enough, and I think you're right. We we did cover this before. I just wanted to reiterate how I felt about it. I think it's it's very to me it's very strange. I think in almost lazy writing. I think, I mean, it's already out there for you. You could totally find Supergirl stories that work, right? But but uh, they they have yet to do so. Um, how did you feel about uh, the Black Mercy and the world that it created for? Uh, Supergirl in, in, on Krypton. I thought it was a little bit, you know, just for me, it was odd not knowing exactly what the Black Mercy is just from what you told me. And then just mm-hmm. seeing the whole, you know, she's basically in a coma and just having a dream. Um, and just how everything was so realistic to her. And, you know, and everybody she was thinking about in that dream sequence was like, oh, no, by the way, that never happened. You're here with us, you know? Right, right, exactly. And you know, it's funny that uh, it's a plant. So if you look at it, it, it kind of looks like a mixture between a bouquet of roses and an octopus. And it attaches itself. It will. It kind of wraps its tentacles around the the person's chest, but it never like penetrates through the skin like you would think, like a uh, a face hugger from Alien, or you know, uh, you know. Uh, a starro actually even from DC comics, which goes into, into your spine or your, uh, right into your brain. Uh, it more attacks you psionically. So when, um, Alex and, uh, Henshaw tried to pull it off of her, it, it starts to attack her, um, mentally, I guess, you know, psionically so that it's damaging her physically by, by them trying to remove it. So that the only way that you can, uh, get rid of the Black Mercy is by rejecting the perfect world that it's creating in your in your mind. And you know, later on along the episode, we see that happening. But there's just uh, so much going around with you know, like what the hell do we do with this? Like, if we try to forcefully you know pull it off, it's going to kill her. What do we do? Right. Right. Um. I thought it was it was interesting that <laughs> they happened to have Maxwell Lord in their prison cell now, so he was there to help them figure out how to get it off of her. You know yeah. what I mean? Like the way that these episodes kind of work together, like everything kind of just plays off of itself, and like almost everything happens. <laughs> I'm gonna say since, since the beginning of the show, it's probably only been a month. <laughs> Because everything happens day to day in this in the show, like from one day to the next. 
I never really caught on to that, but yeah, I guess you're right. (laughs) Like, she literally gets done with one thing, and then the Bizarro thing happens, and then she gets done with that, and the Black Mercy things happens. It's like, that was all within the span of two days. Wow. Well, I guess it makes sense, too, when... um... Cat's son was like, oh, yeah, didn't you remember, you know, Supergirl yesterday she did this, or was it last week? I guess you're right. Yeah. <laughs> what did you think about that? So that whole storyline is gone. I mean, not gone, but, like, the whole relationship she had with this, uh, I don't even remember what the son's name was now. Adam? Yeah, Adam. Like, it kind of came and went, and then uh, Wynn w- was upset with her. For that one whole episode, and then the next episode, he's like, "Oh no, I'm still, I'm still gonna be your friend." It's like, really? You kind of poured your heart out to her, and now you're just, you're okay with being in the friend zone? Oh man, uh, eh, eh. love stories in the show <laughs> suck. <laughs> and then even to the point now that uh, is it Jimmy is coming back into this tri- triangle? Again? Yep. His girlfriend goes away for a week, and it's all of a sudden, oh, maybe I do have feelings for her. What a dick. It's so terrible. <laughs> so, did uh, did did Martian Manhunter do some uh, shape-changing in this episode? Yeah, um, he went in to cover for Kara. Right, okay, there you go. So, why is it that he can shape change at will? Which, you know, that I, I know the whole him covering for Kara was kind of the the the, the comic relief of the episode, the, the, the humor that we're going to have. But how is it that he can shape change into other people, but if he goes back to being the Martian Manhunter, he might not be able to do it ever again? Plaho... <laughs> I know, it's just his character is so weird and like, they're leaving everything so in the dark with his character that it, I just, they're, I, to me, it's just making him weaker. Uh, well, it ha- probably has to do with what you said, that they don't want to, you know, take away from the main focus, they don't want to take away from Supergirl. Right, I, I understand that, I don't, and by weaker, I don't mean like, his making him less strong, as in... Uh, powers wise, I just mean as a character. His character is just written, not written well. He he's weak. He's it's it's very flimsy. I wish I knew what to tell you on this. <laughs> what you don't have a direct phone line to Andrew Kreisberg and all the people over there, Berlanti Land, talking, <laughs> making these shows. How dare you? Oh wait, I was going to say you know your Facebook post, but uh. That's actually with uh, Legends of Tomorrow, not Supergirl, so never mind. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> we'll get to that later. So, uh, all right. What else about this episode was it? I mean, eventually we get Alex. Alex fix out, figures out, uh, with Maxwell Lord's help, how to infiltrate the dream and uh, plant the seeds that Kara needs to know that that other world is fake and... She needs to get out of there so that she can come back to reality. What else other than that is, you know, of importance in this episode? Oh, the whole reason why it's being done. Um, Non. Non is the one that that set her up with the the Black Mercy. Right. 
She wakes up. It's she... so th- go ahead. Oh no! Go ahead. You go ahead. I was just saying, uh, she wakes up incredibly, incredibly pissed. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you were given a perfect world and then had to watch your home planet die once again, you know, uh, you, you'd probably be pretty pissed too. And that's the way she states it. Yeah. Uh, Nan's whole plan for this, the whole thing, to keep her distracted while he uh, does his his thing. Uh, I believe it's code name Myriad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I now I went to go look that up, and there is a character in DC Comics called Myriad. I doubt that the two were going to have any connection, but uh, it could be interesting if they do. And what is this Myriad character? Oh, I have to go look it up again. Oh. I don't. It, she was. It's a female character. Um, I believe she was a uh, villain of sorts, but the way that they're setting it up in the show is that it's more of some kind of uh, computer program. Brainiac later? Right? Yeah, it was a uh, computer yeah. program. Yeah, I mean, I guess that could be true. They could, he, she could, uh, they could be bringing about um, uh, a uh, uh, Brainiac to this world. That'd be interesting. Maybe season uh, two. We got... Uh, Myriad in the DC Comics is Sasha Green. Uh, she was a physical trainer working for LexCorp. After a tough training session with Lex Luthor, uh, in reality, the real Lex Luthor, oh, uh, during which he felt he had been embarrassed in the presence of others, she was murdered by Luthor in cold blood, and her body later dumped in a landfill. A landfill. Uh, she then, which revived uh, Superman does something her corpse was bitten and eaten by an alien parasite which revives sasha's body and activates a series of latent metagenes uh mind control as well as shape-shifting and psychic absorption powers which could allow her to literally become the person she touches so there you go wow don't know if that's going to end up being in the book. I mean, that sounds kind of like a Parasite Superman villain. Yeah, that sounds actually pretty awesome. I would actually look forward to an episode like that. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't see that. I don't see that as a, a character that, uh, or I don't see that as what Non is doing. I mean, it doesn't seem like it's the same thing. So we'll have to see. Right. Anything else? Did you have? about this episode um they kill aunt astra they kill aunt astra that's right sword to the back right yep alex kills her stabs her right in the back (laughs) she had to do it you know it was uh it's pretty it was pretty incredible that she wasn't able to outmaneuver that though you would think as a strong Kryptonian, she would be able to be like, oh, somebody's going to attack me. Counterattack. And super speed out of the way, yeah. right? Yeah. So, uh, so there, I mean, there literally any, well, other than, other than Superman, any, uh, relation back to her family on Krypton is now gone. Yep. How sad. So, <laughs> Had to happen, though. 
<laughs> didn't think it was going to happen Anything so else? soon. I, I didn't think so either. So I, that's, that is very uh, strange. But the actress still has a job because she still plays the holographic mom. projection <laughs> of, of the mom. of Yeah. So there you go. You have that. And I'm done with Supergirl. <laughs> okay. Oh, sorry about that. Um, let's go ahead and move on to The Flash then. We have two episodes. Welcome to Earth 2 and Farewell to Earth 2. I, I, I like both of these episodes. I liked everything about, you know, Earth 2. I, you know, I enjoyed these episodes episodes as well. I thought it was very interesting to see uh, these characters and how you're going to have different versions of the characters and stuff like that. So you have, uh, what, Joe is now Joseph, and he's a jazz man, <laughs> jazz singer over in Earth 2. You have Iris is now Detective Iris. She's on the the Central City Police Department. And you, you have. Uh, oh, go ahead. I was say you have Floyd Lawton, um, you know, being Iris's partner, and uh, and a horrible shot. Yep. <laughs> so and uh, so, which I thought was funny. Did did you ever? Is is there an episode where Deadshot actually interacts with the Flash? I don't think so. I didn't think so either. So. I, I was thinking it must have been just some time that he spent with Bear with uh, Ollie. So Ollie told him about the Suicide Squad. Maybe, but I, just to see him in you know Earth Two in the Flash universe was a little bit strange. But I liked it, even uh, even because his nickname Deadshot did stick. Right, but it's because he's so <laughs> bad. <laughs> um. You had uh, you had both Barry's parents supposedly are alive. Um, you know he talks to his mom on the phone. Uh, it's and you see who else was on that phone list? Bruce, Diana, and Hal. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no, was it Hal? Yeah, I think it was Hal. I thought it said. Did it say Hal or did it say Eddie? It said Eddie on there as well. I know I saw it. Okay. Oh, I guess, you know, I was talking about this with someone else and said, I know, and obviously a lot of people are going to point out that it doesn't say Clark on there. And I would think, yeah, in a world where Superman exists, would Zoom really be a problem? Would he really be terrorizing a a city to the point where they have to go to, they have to have a a nine o'clock curfew? Right. So, yeah, Zoom, (laughs) there would not be a Superman. So there's no Superman in that world, assumingly, or or at least Barry doesn't know him. <laughs> <laughs> but that is kind of a weird phone too. It just has five buttons, and the five buttons are signed to people. Yeah. <laughs> like, can you not call anybody else? Is is that not allowed? Speed dial. <laughs> Guess. But that's all it is. It's just speed <laughs> dial. So then you see. Um, at the end of the episode, I mean, so the you know the super cannon or the speed cannon gets damaged on their on their travel to Earth two. Uh, Jay has to put it back together on Earth one, where Caitlin is still there and uh, Joe is still there. Jay and Iris. 
What do you think that does for the idea that Jay Garrick is Zoom? Well, I'm, okay, so... Because we did find out that Jay is lying. Yeah. For the for, About one specific thing. he's we He told us, and he told the, the Flash gang, that he lost his speed because uh, Zoom. Zoom took it away from him. When in actuality... That's- we find out that he was he was messing around with Velocity Seven, and it gave him his speed, but then it also took it away, and, and is is what's making him sick. Right. And then he says that he's trying to look for, you know, Jay Garrick, and Earth One, but you know, it goes by the name of Hans Zolomon. Um, and I mean, I, I I guess it could actually be true that he is Zoom. Because, I mean, towards later, later the episode and beginning of the, you know, the following episode, we find out a lot. Right, right. Okay, that's true. And we'll get to that in a second. But how is it, one, how is it that Jay is traveling between the two worlds if the, if the, if the speed cannon is, is out of commission? Yeah, he could have been lying, but obviously the pieces are on the ground, you know. <laughs> All the other portal, all the other rifts are, are are taken care of. How would he be getting between the two worlds? I don't know. Because we know Zoom is Zoom is on Earth two at this exact moment yeah. that Jay is on Earth one. Uh, also, uh, what's his face well, or Caitlin knows that Jay doesn't have any powers at the moment. Right. Obviously, Zoom still does have powers. Okay. Right. So it de- does it debunk everything then? <laughs> I don't know. That's what I'm trying. To, I mean, so then what you were you were referring to earlier? We have a masked man. So Barry gets captured by Zoom, and he puts he gets put in the same prison area that Jesse is. Uh, H Harrison Wells' daughter is being held captive. We find out that there's a third captive there, and he's wearing this metal mask basically so that he can't talk and no one can see his face, but he's constantly tapping on the on the glass. Barry and Jesse eventually put it together that uh, he's trying to send a message using, um, I forget what it's called, but it's a series of, of five taps to get letters out instead of having to do uh, Morse code or um, just simply 1A to B. Um, but he spells out J when he's trying to get a message to Jesse and uh, and Barry and Je- Barry fills in the gap to say, "Oh, you mean just Jay Garrick?" And the guy starts frantically saying, "Yes," or nodding his head, "Yes." He goes, "Don't worry, Jay's fine. He's on Earth One." But you can tell that the guy is trying to tell him something else. But we don't get to that point because they get interrupted by by uh, Zoom. The well, I think they get interrupted by the gang fu- uh, getting there at that point. No, because uh, there's a no. They do figure it out, and then um, he beats the shit out of uh, Barry, and he's like, "You're not going to talk to him ever again." Oh, that's right. He does. He does. And he says, "Oh, now you've taught me the way. Taught me how how to get out of here." Yep. That's right. So it's interesting because Zoom is keeping this guy alive, but he also had the 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 frame of mind to keep a mask on him that makes it so that he can't talk and no one can see his face, whether or not that's a thing just for us as the audience so that we don't, we don't know who it is beforehand 
Or what if that's a thing in their world that is to prevent the guy from talking, like, as in saying a certain word like Shazam? Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that, what, I mean, who else would be there that, I mean, a a character like that, a, a character like Captain Marvel or Shazam, depending on which books you read, uh, you know, being as powerful as he is, Zoom would want to take that character out as 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 fast as he could because he rivals the power of Superman. So, yep. you know, what if that? I mean, what if that guy is a, a Captain Marvel in that world? But I mean, who knows? When they said Jay, like he seemed like uh, he's like, no, he's on Earth One. The guy seemed a little bit distraught, though. I know, and that's what I'm. I I I, I don't I don't know. I don't get. I, I, I'm I'm trapped in in my mind of who, what that could mean. If Jay is a good guy or Jay is a bad guy, is Jay Zoom or what? Right. Why would that guy want to? Why would that guy want to say if he only has? He knows he only has a certain amount of time to get a message across, and he he's gonna do the best he can to be concise and 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 not confusing. But he, the thing he says is Jay. That's that's very strange. Right. So there you go. I mean, I, I like this this new turn of events. Um, one of my theories from the beginning is that Zoom is actually Earth 2 Barry. Now, I think it, you can say you could say that it's been debunked. That theory is debunked because of these episodes. Right. Because we see Barry and he's literally just a nerd. He's the head of the forensics department. Um, everybody around seems to be wearing these watches that, you know, tell you if there's a meta nearby and Iris definitely has one cause it goes off when earth one's berry is around. Uh, and she says, Oh, it must be some kind of weird thing. You're not a meta obviously. Yep. So earth two berry would obviously be around his wife very often and she would, it, it never went off. However, after that initial time, Barry from Earth One went into the cafe uh, or Jitterbug is what it's called, and nobody's watch went off then. But as soon as Caitlin and Death or Killer Frost and Deathstorm came in the door, everybody's watch went off there. What if there's a way to get around the programming? That's a good observation. I mean, that could just be lazy writing, sure. You know, for for the, all, all tense of purposes. But if there's a way of getting around the, the, the detection, maybe Barry from Earth 2 has gotten around the detection and is still, is still Zoom. Now, you say, oh, well, you know, Barry from Earth 1 and Harrison Wells had him tied up while Barry was acting as Barry 2. But all they did was handcuff him into another room. If you don't have eyes on him, he could definitely escape, be Zoom, come back and... And play possum. Why would he do it the the whole time that, you know, trying to play along with this? Who knows? What? Why is Zoom doing anything he's doing? He wants more speed. Right. But, I mean, well, I guess you did bring this up earlier, too, because I was going to say the height doesn't match up, and then Zoom is a lot bulkier than, than Barry. But what did he say in one of the, you know, uh, earlier episodes? Well, one of the earlier episodes of our show? Yeah. You said that yeah, in okay. the comics. Go ahead. Right in the comic in the comics, um, 
there is Wally West's kids, um, Jay and Irie. They both get their parts of the Speed Force, and Jay from the, the from that comic book, it his Speed Force manifests in in muscle mass. So he literally becomes three times larger uh, because of the Speed Force. So there is precedent that this could happen that he become, he becomes taller and more bulkier but that is a very deep cut in the comic <laughs> books so we you know i i don't know if they would do that what it, and it doesn't make sense either with a theory of it being you know Barry's dad right so that was another thing that's another theory that's out there is that it's it's uh Henry Allen now if you look at the phone that Barry from Earth 1 used to call the mom of Earth 2. It said mom and dad on the phone. It doesn't say just mom. Right. So, but but you don't you don't but he doesn't talk to the dad. He just talks to the mom. Right. Who but knows, he, maybe, you know. But he says, you know, mom, could, you really outdid yourself so I bought you and dad a pair of tickets to Atlantis, you know. You're right. You're right. So you would think that she would, she would, she would see that her husband is Zoom. <laughs> but then she also says she doesn't want to use the tickets. She said she wants to give them back to Iris and and Barry to for the use for themselves. And he's like, no, I, you know, I gave those tickets to you guys. Right. Maybe he gave those tickets to his mom and dad, and then something happened to his dad, and that's when he became Zoom. And all, and and for all she knows, or for all anybody knows, his dad is dead. But the actuality, he's Zoom. True, and yeah, and uh, damn it, I don't know. <laughs> and then it's, I just thought it was funny because I mean, who's who? Who knows? The other the other theory that's out there, I think, is that it's Patty. Once again, you know, it it could be uh, the idea that Earth Two Patty Spivet has. Super. I think she's even mentioned. She is in the episode. Okay. She came up with that algorithm to uh, track down the metahumans, and that's how they find uh, Caitlin, uh, gen- uh, generic location. Ex- oh, that's right. So if you take that into account, because I remember thinking about that when they said that, she came up with the with the algorithm to track down metahumans. Zoom tracks down metahumans to to use for his, you know, exploitations to make them work for him. Right. What if it's, you know, what if it's a disguise? What if it's a, it's a, a, you know, it's actually Patty underneath there changing her voice and making herself look bigger. That'd be a crazy mindfuck. (laughs) Right. I mean, especially since you think that Barry is getting over his uh, breakup with Patty in earth one right now. The fact that he would have to fight a Earth Two version of her would just kind of be a juxtaposition to it, you know, very much uh, a, a full circle. Yeah. Whew. <laughs> <laughs> so much to take in. <laughs> what did you think? What What did you think of Reverb to get away from Zoom for right now? What did you think of Reverb? I thought it was awesome, and I also liked the whole joke that Cisco was like, "Are you seriously Darth Vader, Cloud City, me right now?" <laughs> oh, Cisco is so awesome. Just you know, listening to him and his dialogue. But I, I did love the fact that Reverb was like, "You poor, poor excuse for me. 
I have you have no idea what you could do with your powers, and you use them to just see things. You yeah. know, <laughs> I was like, "Wait, are you saying so I could do was... that with my powers?" He's like, "I can teach you." <laughs> and there you go, <laughs> Vader Cloud City. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's too bad that he ended up having to die, though. Yep. Same with Deathstorm. I actually wanted to see more of Deathstorm, and it sucks that you know. Yeah. You know, I think what you know. What's funny is that I think Robbie and Mill, his his he as an actor is kind of kind of blowing up. Like he, I, I keep seeing him in more and more things lately. Like he was just in the episodes of uh, of, he was in an episode of the new X Files. Uh, I didn't notice this before, but he's in the trailer for Independence Day Resurgence. Oh. Uh, so he, you know, he's going to be, I think he's definitely showing up in more and more things. And that might be the reason why he's not playing Firestorm anymore. Yeah, probably. I also did see him in a video that he posted, uh, I think over the weekend or last weekend, uh, that, of uh, Steven, Steven Amell having a comic con. I, th- I can't remember where it was. I think it was Dallas, Dallas comic con. He was doing a uh, a panel, and um, Stardust showed up because you know Stephen Amell and is uh, I guess you know watches WWE <laughs> <laughs> WWE wrestling and has a feud with Stardust, and they have set up the fact that they're going to have another fight between just the two of them this time instead of a tag team match. Wow! But Robbie <laughs> Robbie Amell was there filming the whole thing on his uh, on his cell phone, and you know totally uh, yucking it up and. <laughs> At the end of it, Stardust throws like some water in Stephen Amell's face, and then kind of walks off stage. And then I think Robbie walks up and and kind of does the same thing and runs away from Stephen. And Stephen <laughs> chases him down the aisle. It was pretty funny. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> what else do you have from this episode? Do you have any more notes that you've uh, you came across or things that you found interesting? I'm trying to. Uh, da, da, da. Oh yeah, uh, velocity. I mean, these were these were really good episodes. Yeah, they were. Uh, velocity nine is working, and then uh, basically I did write. Caitlin has a worse luck with men. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. Oh, that's right. At the end of it is uh, Jay getting stabbed, right? Stabbed through the heart and getting pulled into Earth two. Right. Okay. So yeah. Cause, so have you ever watched? You ever watched Deep Blue Sea? The movie no. about the sharks. You've never watched that movie. It's a little. It might be a little bit before your time. So back in, uh, I want to say it's like ninety eight, ninety nine. There is this movie with LL Cool J, Samuel Jackson, Thomas Jane, uh, where these two killer white sh- or killer sharks are. Uh, I think they're killer white sharks, or is that what they're called? Yeah. Uh, they are great white sharks. That's what they are, but they're killer sharks. But they've been modified by science and famously, it's not a, it's not a great movie, but it's kind of a, a horror thriller, but famously Samuel Jackson has, and spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't watched deep Lucy, but it is over, uh, you know, 15 years old. So, uh, Samuel Jackson has this, a, this big speech in the, in the movie, right in the middle of the movie. Cause his character previously had, uh, crash landed on a mountain and him and his, his crew had to get down the mountain and uh, survive. And he talks about, you know, this is that moment when you have to choose whether you're going to survive or you're going to sit down and die. 
blah, blah, blah. And right as he's giving the speech, a shark comes out of the, the, the water from behind him, snatches him, and kills him. So right when Jay Garrick's giving this whole speech, and he's standing right in front of the speed cannon, I'm like, that's not good. <laughs> Something bad is going to pop out of the back of that and hurt him. And bam, right when it happens, zoom in right through his chest. So they deep blue sea us. They deep blue sea. They Samuel <laughs> Jackson us. <laughs> so they, I mean, once again, throws more shade at the fact that Jay Garrick is uh, is is the Flash or is Zoom. Sorry. Okay. Okay. That's all I gotta say. Is okay. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse and and Harry are both stuck on Earth One, though. Yep. At least she's alive. At least she's alive. And we now, we, we don't know who Zorn is. I've come to call in the man in the my iron mask Zorn, if you know your X Men comic books. Do you get that reference, Daniel? No, no comment. <laughs> no comments. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, so we don't know who the man in the iron mask is, uh and Barry made a promise to him. Barry from Earth One made a promise to him that he would go and uh uh, he would he'd get back Rescue and see him, him whenever, however he could, but now he can't get back to that earth, so we'll have to see what happens. Uh, well, um, so now hopefully Harry can come up with a way to stop Zoom, and he'll be, you know, willing to help even more now since they rescued Jesse. I also thought it was funny that Jesse was sitting there like, I don't want to go to another earth. My family's here. My my home is here. My friends are here. It's like, yeah, but you'll die here. <laughs> Zoom <laughs> wants to kill you. <laughs> Which is it? Would you rather do? Would you? I, I thought I thought that was funny. Yeah. So, on to Arrow. On to Arrow. We have two episodes here. Second episode is about uh, is more about the election. First episode is more about uh, the calculator. Yep. First episode calculator. Second episode the election. Yep. That's so what the, I got the the episode the 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 former episode is more um it, so it's a lot of Felicity dealing with the fact that her father is a uh, a villain. I mean, he calls himself a vigilante. He says he's doing it for the right reasons, but uh, she has to deal with the fact that she, he's not a good guy. Also, is the episode is a lot about um, the League of Shadows. Yep. So, uh, Nyssa has escaped from her prison. She has. It seems like she has a good amount of the League of Shadows on her side. <clears throat> Excuse me. League of Shadows on her side. However, uh, you know, there's still a lot of people on uh, Malcolm Merlin's side, which makes sense because at, at at this point, he is Raish. He's the, he's the leader. Uh, she says she has a cure to end Thea's suffering. She is in, Thea is in bed. She, all her pain, all her bloodlust is gone internally and is attacking her from the inside. And, uh, she can't 
even get out of bed. Uh, they a sore opens up, and they use some of this lotus flower that um, is actually being guarded by uh, Katana, right? Yep. Yeah, and uh, it heals her partly of the way. So they have proof that it will work, but to get it to stay or to be a lasting effect, they have to get more of it, and to get more of it, they uh, Nissa wants. Oliver to kill Malcolm Merlin. Which was, um, you know, I thought it was a pretty hard ultimatum, you know, coming from, you know, Nolly's standpoint. Right, because this is a Nolly that's, you know, made a vow not to kill people anymore, for one. And literally in the episode before, uh, he has kind of almost made another bond with with Malcolm over Thea. Yep. You know, he, he said, you know, you're a bad guy, but, you know, I, I appreciate you being on our side when you are. And right after that is, oh, well, now I have to kill him. <laughs> yep. Which is funny. So, I mean, which basically comes down to a fight between Nyssa and, and Malcolm Merlin one-on-one. And Malcolm... Nissa and Malcolm both know that Malcolm can beat Nissa. However, Nissa knows and Malcolm knows that Oliver can beat Malcolm. So that's why Nissa wanted Oliver to do it, but Oliver didn't want to get in the middle of it. They, he wanted the two of them to be able to work work it out together or whatever. Uh, which I find funny. When, I mean, when Malcolm Erlin first came on as the Dark uh, Arrow... Uh, you know, Oliver, Oliver couldn't do it. He couldn't, he couldn't defeat Malcolm. He got his ass kicked just about every time, just about every time. But now supposedly he's, he's just that much better <laughs> at fighting and, and all that, which I mean, I guess could be true. He's, he took on Rachel Ghoul. He took on, uh, you know, more of the, the league of shadows and, um, must've just gotten better over time. Cause, it co- he he eventually steps in. He says, "Look, in the eyes of the league, I am Nissa's husband, so I will take on this fight in her stead." Which I thought their wedding got canceled. I don't. I didn't remember they got they went through with it. I think. Ah, oh shit. Yeah, I don't remember either. I think it did happen though. I don't say the wedding did go on. It must have for them to say it like that. So they, they went on. It went on, but didn't didn't she end up getting married to Malcolm also? Like, wasn't that the whole point of Malcolm becoming uh, the new uh, demon's head? He had, they had he had to marry Nyssa. Ooh, I don't remember that. I remember <laughs> they did some type of ceremony together. Is that another reason why she was so pissed that Ollie um, gave the power to Malcolm? Yeah, yeah, that would that would be another reason. So, Oliver steps in and he he does the fight for him, and just like they predicted, Malcolm or Oliver's the better fighter gets he gets him to the point where he's on his knees, and all he has to do is cut off Malcolm's head. But instead, he says, "Look, just just forfeit, just you know, lose, you know, uh, say I win, and this will be over, and you don't have to die." And Malcolm says, "No, you got to do it. You got to go through with it." But apparently, if you just cut off his hand, it's good enough. <laughs> because the ring is the only thing that matters. 
So he cuts off he cuts off Malcolm Merlin's hand. The ring goes uh, down on the ground. He picks it up, gives it to Nissa. Nissa is now the new demon's head. And then Malcolm threatens, you know, Ollie, saying like, you know, you're gonna regret not killing me. Right. It doesn't matter. I don't care if you are my my daughter's brother. I, you know, I'm gonna get my revenge on you now. And he walks away. Um, Nissa goes and dismantles the the League of Shadows, which I thought was 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 really out of left field. I didn't I didn't think that was gonna happen. I didn't expect that either. No, not at all. So she dismantles the whole thing, and where's she gonna do now? What what's what's what what's gonna be her driving force? Uh, what is it? I don't think I wrote it down. Yeah. So, uh, and then we see Malcolm Merlin basically go to Damien Dark and say, "Look, I know." the way to beat Oliver Queen and you just have to take out the thing that he loves the most in the world. And he's like, Oh, we already tried killing Felicity. It didn't work. He goes, not Felicity, his son. So at that point I was like, you bastard. Right. I mean, for a guy who's constantly trying to protect his daughter, I can't believe you would go and throw someone else's progeny under, under the bus like that. Uh, however, uh, so the other storyline um, with Felicity and her father, who is the calculator, she gets him arrested by uh, Detective Lance, or I guess Captain Lance at this point. And uh, for whatever reason, he's trying to say that he doesn't deserve to go to jail, but obviously he, he does for all the crimes that he's committed. Yep. The next yeah, episode... I'll just say that was the end of it. That's all that happened. <laughs> That's all that happens in that episode. There wasn't, there wasn't, I mean, there was a lot of action in this one, but for a season that's been very uh, heavy on the choreography and the fights and stuff, I, I felt that they, I think they saved a lot for, of it for the, the fight scene between Malcolm and, and Ollie. I think so too. Yeah. Even, even though I felt uh, that fight was a little bit too short. It was. It really did feel. It felt a little too rushed, and like I mean, for something that should have been a lot more epic, they it, it was very short. But in the next episode is all about the the more mayoral de- debate because we know that Ollie is running against Damian Dark's wife, who ha- goes by the name of uh, Adams in this episode, or in, when she's running for mayor. Uh, that way she, she has no connection to Damien Dark, uh, name wise and legally. Um, but she is just as evil as Damien and ready yeah. to, uh, you know, defeat or d- to destroy the city or, you know, do whatever is necessary to win. Uh, basically they hire this team to take out or to steal the stuff they need to do the steal to kill Oliver Queen. And it's, um, they call themselves the demolition crew. Yeah. Now one guy had a giant, like sledgehammer type weapon. Another guy, I don't know what the third guy, the, the other guy had for a weapon, but the third, the lady had a nail gun as a weapon. Yep. How ridiculous was, was that? <laughs> I wrote down, I can't believe she shot Laurel in the face with a nail gun. Right? (laughs) (laughs) 
it's just I don't know. To me, like it seemed like the most ridiculous weapon for. I mean, I go, I know I get it that they have a theme going here. They <laughs> they like construction kind of stuff, but a nail gun. It just seemed so horrible. Um, I don't know. I don't know what else they could have done. Otherwise, maybe she just have like a couple, a couple shovels or or a pickaxe or something. But like a nail gun just seemed ridiculous. Um, I agree. I thought that the, the choreography once again went went back up went back up on this episode, uh, especially with the Speedy and Black Canary characters, which I'm so much happier about because I I, I I was so tired of them just being kind of the damsel in distresses all the time and uh i was happy that they you know that they can hold their own finally (laughs) right i mean they did they did a great job it was it was weird that they it was funny that the two of them had to take on the one lady by themselves but you know ollie had uh the one the one guy to take on by himself and and uh diggle had the other one guy to take on by himself yeah and when um, when Dark was having his little committee uh, committee meeting, did he force choke that that guy through the TV screen? He did. Like Darth Vader, he straight up through the TV <laughs> screen across countries, halfway across the world. Because he said the guy was in Madrid. He's like, I can almost feel myself in your office right now, and he just force choked him. I was like, that's pretty powerful for a guy that seems to not be able to kill Oliver Queen. <laughs> <laughs> That was fucking awesome, though. <laughs> Whatever it is that Hive has planned for this, for the city is is, and I think they even mentioned it in the in the story or in the episode itself. It's like they're not trying to destroy it like they do, like like normal people try to destroy the city. They they have some other kind of plan, um, especially with the fact that uh, what's his, Damian Dark's wife is running for mayor. So whatever they have in uh, in tow for the city is definitely uh, out there. It was funny was that uh, they decided to take out their frustrations. The hive decides to take out their frustrations on um, to uh, Captain Lance <laughs> because they know for a fact that he's playing both sides and trying and and, and giving information to to the arrow. So. He gets beat pretty bad, you know, to the point that you almost think that maybe, you know, maybe like they keep doing this throughout the episode, the season. I think is the is the whole who's going to be in the grave, so they keep dangling people almost dying in front of you. <laughs> and as a result of you know they ambush, you know, the whole building collapsing, Officer Lance and Felicity's mom break up. Right, but then they end up getting back together by the end of the episode. Because, as we know, uh, Felicity's mom was used to be married to the calculator, so he would lie to her all the time, and she can't abide liars. Nope. Nope, not gonna happen. If you can't respect me enough, then, you know, I'm walking out. Maybe we should make that more permanent. Me. <laughs> Me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anything else important from this episode? I, I just want to bring up um, the flashbacks. What what do you think he referred to as like you know everlasting power? 
you know, I don't know. Whatever is going on in the flashbacks has so much more gravity to it, I feel, than uh, what what could eventually happen because this is a flashback. This is what happened five years ago. <laughs> uh, and so we know Ollie's not going to die, but what, I mean, whatever magical thing that's about to happen is going to be big. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, they also, I wanted to uh, mention they threw a X-Men joke in the show. Did they? Yeah, um, she's like, oh, so I know something I can get you for the wedding gift. She's like, oh, let me guess. Oh, is it a slow cooker? And she's like, how'd you know? I'm telepathic. Oh. <laughs> I don't know if that's... Oh, because she's in a wheelchair. Ah, yes. I get it. <laughs> like it, I like it. I was like, I don't think that's an X-Men joke. It's just... Tel- oh, wheelchair. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Uh, you know the what? last so- thing... Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Well, I was going to say we haven't was... we, we haven't talked about the the uh, the flashback. So, in that fla- the one flashback he has with Shadow, uh, he goes into that um, you know uh, hallucination where he's talking to Shadow. Shadow gives him that rock, and then that rock shows up in the real world. How did that happen? I don't know. It was in his pocket, I think. Yeah, but how did it get in his pocket? <laughs> Uh, maybe he picked it up when he was running with Constantine. I don't know. Oh, I don't. I don't know either. It's like it, they made it seem like the hallucination gave it to him, and he brought it from the other world. Which could be, so- which definitely could be, because this whole the that whole uh, flashback on the island stuff is all about magic. So you know, magic magic things happen. <laughs> um, and then so whatever it was, you know, he. He the the what's I forget what the guy Ryder is the guy's name right the leader right he said you know you were brought to me for a reason you gave me these maps I needed the maps they gave, you gave me the maps I needed the stone you gave me the stone you're obviously very important to me and whatever I got to do here and then he, he puts him in a room with the guy that doesn't like him and expects <laughs> nothing to happen <laughs> and Ollie being as good as he is totally you know was able to kill that dude which i thought was was not so cool cuz i like one i like the actor uh i think he he's uh he's a good actor he he's in a lot of things as a uh a guest star uh, he's he's going to eventually i i know for a fact that he's going to be in that warcraft movie um oh really yeah so he's becoming more and more prominent but like um I thought his death was just so quick and sudden. I thought there was going to be more of a fight between the two of them. I want to say a, a tiny knife can stab through, you know, a bulletproof vest. Well, yeah, uh, you, you can stab through a, a Kevlar vest. It, it's it, it's been known to happen. Okay, never mind then. <laughs> <laughs> it's because it's just the the way things are. It's like. Uh, a bulletproof vest is the way that it's made is so that it can uh, expand when something at high speeds or high velocity hits it. So when it's just a knife, it, you can push through it. It's weird. Uh, it's, it's the way technology is. And I'm probably speaking out of my ass. So if anybody wants to correct me, go ahead, go right ahead. But I'm pretty sure that's what I remember. You can stab through a bulletproof vest. So Felicity will be able to walk. 
That's right. We didn't. I didn't talk. We didn't talk about that. Curtis. Uh, Curtis Holt. Holt created technology that's going to uh, once it's some type of biochip that once it will be inserted into her spine, she will be able to walk again. Which I think we saw uh, leaked set photos earlier this year of her character walking around. So it makes sense. This is how it's going to happen. Uh, we'll see. I mean, what if like the arrow come or not arrow, the atom comes back. Cause you know, some kind of microsurgery like that, it'd be nice to have a person that can shrink down. Yep. <laughs> hint, hint, <laughs> hint, hint, hint. Anything else? Do you think uh, that tech will save, you know, Palmer technology? Oh, more, yeah. The, the I think the battery itself was already going to save Palmer Tech. Um, if they were able to mass produce that 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 chip, um, yeah, they're, it's going to be huge. However, as we find out in Legends of Tomorrow, that uh, it's not. In the future, it's not known as Palmer Tech anymore. It's known as Smoke Tech. Smoke Tech. Yeah. So maybe uh, Felicity will take that chip and and use it to form her own company. I mean, technically, she's the CEO of uh, of Palmer Tech. She could easily just turn change the name. Yep. Pull the whole Darren Cross to uh, Pym Technologies and Ant Man. Ant Man. That'd be a big possibility. <laughs> uh, anything else? No. No, I don't think so either. I think it's funny so, that, you know, Laurel, as much as in love as she was with Ollie, she has to, they don't ever play it up, like the fact that she has to sit around and watch uh, Ollie and Felicity go through all this lovey dovey bullcrap which is good because we don't need another love triangle but i also think it's it's weird that they don't mention it at all oh god what have you done they're gonna bring i know they're gonna make that happen in the next season look all i want is felicity to die anyways so that <laughs> that relationship doesn't happen anymore and he can eventually go and get back with the black canary like i see it in the comic books so that's just me not going to happen, obviously. Not going to happen. People <laughs> love Felicity and, and or Alicity, I should say, too much. Blah. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, speaking of, let's go on to DC's Legends of Tomorrow then. We had a two-part episode anyways. Uh, they have gone from 1975 to 1986, and we are in the midst of the Cold War in Russia. Which was pretty awesome. <laughs> so uh, Gideon has determined that in 1986, uh, what is it? They first they had to break into the Pentagon to pick up uh, where it is that the Pentagon thinks that Fando Savage is being held, or not being held, but being uh, active. And the Pentagon figures out that it's with. It's in the Russia, and that there is a Russian scientist that he is using to make weapons for him. Uh, when they get to Russia, 
they find the Russian scientist lady and she is trying to recreate the firestorm experiment that turned Professor Stein and now Jefferson Jackson into firestorm. And basically because they made themselves known to Vandal Savage in 1975 uh, is the reason why he is interested in making uh, firestorms in 1986. But didn't they say something about, like, ancient Egypt or something like that again? Saying, like, that's another prophecy or something? I don't think I, I, don't think I caught that. Um, I mean, obviously, I know at one point uh, Vandal Savage reminds Hunter, Rip Hunter, that uh, he remembers their encounter in Egypt when Karib tried to kill him. Yep. But I don't remember the prophecy. Like, I think, I, I don't know, I watched this episode the other day, so I think they said something like that, but I can't remember. So while also in the Pentagon, um, Hawkgirl gets into a confrontation with some soldiers, and she kind of goes berserker rage, Wolverine berserker rage on him. Uh, she, they, they, they play it up to that Shaira ends up taking over and just totally making her go crazy and, and start beating down guys to the point that they almost die. And uh, Hunter puts it on White Canary, uh, Sarah, to try and get help Hawkgirl, uh, I don't know, tame her wild side or, uh, you know, put her bloodlust under control. While doing so... <laughs> White Canary's blood, own bloodlust from being resurrected in the Lazarus Pit comes ahead and almost kills Hawkgirl. So yep. Hot, uh, Rip Hunter in his I'm so cool, I know all the contingencies and I know what I'm doing says, oh, well, I was actually putting you, uh, Kendra, in the same room with her so that you could teach her to be more human. And it's like, oh, the two of them play off of each other. <laughs> so you know how... This, I think it's been stated by other people that obviously this is TV's version of the Justice League right here, right? Right. I think I've, uh, I it it wasn't more apparent than in in these two episodes that they that's what they are. So to me, Ray Palmer, the Adam, is is definitely a Superman because they constantly they even to the point where they call him the Boy Scout. Uh, you know, which is one of the nicknames of Superman, the big blue boy scout. He constantly believes in the better, you know, he believes in the, uh, the goodness of man. He, he, he believes that everybody is, is good until proven differently. Whereas snark, I believe is their Batman. Like he knows how to utilize people. He knows, uh, you know, what every play is. He knows where, you know, what needs to be done to get things done. Um, White Canary is their Wonder Woman. Uh, I would say that, uh, Jefferson by himself is the Flash. And, okay. and, and Mick, Mick Rory, um, Heat Wave is Aquaman to the point where he gets that, he's, 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 he's the brute of the team. He's very much, uh, <laughs> you know, just ready to kick people's ass all the time. Um, I, and this is where, I guess after this point, it kind of gets more iffy, you know, it's, it's more of a stretch to put people in, in their positions, but like 
Stein would, I guess, would probably be more like uh, Martian Manhunter, and uh, Kendra would be Hawk Girl because she doesn't really fit Green Lantern. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, how do you feel about that? What do you think? I want to say Stein is probably more like uh, like Hal. So you, I mean, I can see that because he's got all the bravado, the bravado, and you know he's got the, uh, the the head 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 first kind of uh, mentality that Hal has, the Green Lantern. I just kind of put him in the fact that he's like, he's 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 staunchier, and he has, he feels like he has all the information. And that's very much Martian Manhunter to me. Okay, but I think you're. I mean, you're obviously right too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but damn, that's actually really good. Uh, you know, I guess not analogy, but comparison. I guess between all the characters, right? And I, them together. I feel. I, I mean, that's exactly how I feel. That that's what they're. You know, they're there to do is kind of be the TV's version of 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 the Justice League, and and we. That's how. I mean, because they're definitely playing Ray Palmer. Ray Palmer off as a Superman instead of as the Atom, because. The Adam I've read is doesn't act that way. Right. And did he say he's like more humble and not always wanting to, you know, be in the spotlight and and be noticed and whatnot? Exactly. He, to me, he's more of like the Ray Palmer of the DC universe or the DC comics universe is more like uh, Mr. Fantastic from the Marvel universe. He's, he's in it for the science. He, he loves the adventure, but he doesn't, he doesn't need. I mean, he he's he's good at being a superhero and, and saving people too. But he's more of just you know he's in it for the knowledge. He doesn't need all that glory, right? Exactly. But this one, he's he's very much in. He's like, he wants to be noticed. He wants to be somebody. Not that I'm saying that's what Superman wants, but I mean that's what Ray wants. What'd you think of him taking that beat down in the in the prison though? Um, in the in the yard or like when they're actually being tortured? Both, because the yard was was pretty incredible that he didn't get killed, and then in the, when he was being tortured and the and he takes that beat for for Mick, I was like, wow, that was that was ballsy <laughs> when yeah. you're already almost half dead. Yep, and you know, and then Mick has that conflict later. He's like, he took a beating for me, man. He's like, we have to go back for him. Yeah, you know, which is, I, I think it's funny for the the point that the two characters of Mick and, and Leonard are constantly talking about how there's this, uh, there's this code amongst thieves, or you know, there's honor amongst them that they they'll do things for each other it's funny that at, at the point where, you know, Palmer, yes, hasn't, hasn't stole anything with Mick, but they are on a team together. You would think that type of, of honor system would, would, uh, expand to the point that you, you protect the person that you're on a team with, but it's not until he takes a beating for him that he says, okay, well, obviously I, I have to, I have to be square with you. And even then, once he's, once he's saved him, he's like, all right, we're even now. I don't have to do anything for you. But yet, right. between uh, Captain Cold and Heatwave, the two of them are constantly like, well, we have to go save the other guy. We have to save him. You know, he, I, I can't leave him behind. 
right? So uh, bad writing again at this no, point. No, I don't think it's bad writing. I think it's uh, I think it's more of it's more of a complication in their characters. It's not so much bad as they just don't understand what they're doing with them yet. Oh, okay. And that's, I guess that gets me to another point. As excited as I was, and maybe that's the reason why, but as excited as I was for this this show, at this point, they're losing me. They're losing you. Yeah. I mean, I just feel like the stories are not, not maybe not, not what I expected, or they're not, they're just not, um, they're not going anywhere. Uh, like, so far we've gone... To 1975 and 1986, and in both places, Vandal Savage trumps them, like you know, beats them. Uh, if that's all it's going to be over and over, then what's the point? That's true. Even though Rick did say, like, he knows all of you guys now, he knows how to stop you if you were to go full force. That's true. I mean, I didn't even think, I mean, it's just, I think what, what needs to happen. At this point, is they need to figure out that they need to get a certain thing together to to defeat Vandal Savage. Because obviously, we, we can't have them defeat Vandal Savage anytime soon, because he's got he, he obviously he's got to last as their as their as their central bad guy. So they need to be like, well, we need to go get this from this time period and this from that time period, and uh, you know, eventually we have all the pieces together, we can use it to defeat him. Because they already have, they already know what the the item they need to defeat him is supposed to be Shaira's knife, and right. The other the other part of that is they need Shaira, and if they don't have both parts going, then you can't kill him. But every time they get close, or you know, some something comes up, they they get defeated. So if I just watch this over and over, it's going to get boring. I need. I want more of the, I guess, I, I don't know. I guess I just want more of the time periods and, and seeing more characters. Like that's what, I guess that's what I kind of was expecting from this show is that, you know, we're going to see like Jonah Hex and, you know, the shiny Knight and, uh, Etrigan and, you know, all these, you know, things that can happen throughout time instead of just being 1986. <laughs> well, I mean, we just got done with the, what fourth episode? Fifth? Actually, I want to say it's the fifth episode. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's still you know the rest of the season, so we might run into those heroes. You're right. I mean, yeah, you're totally right. Obviously, uh, the ending of this last episode, the fifth episode, they go to 2046, uh, Star City, I believe. Yeah. In 2046, you see you see an arrow, and arrow green arrow shows up and says. Or the city is burning, basically, and he's like, "Put down your weapons!" And everybody's like, "Hey!" Or at least Ray is like, "Hey, it's it's me, it's Ray. You know, we're friends. Uh, you, we you shouldn't do this." And and uh, and then he's like, "I don't know any of you people." And he turns his face, and it's not it's not Ollie, it's somebody else. To me, the first being a, a longtime Green Arrow fan and reading the comics, that to me that's that's probably going to be Connor Hawk. His illegitimate son that's not uh william not william <laughs> <laughs> because uh obviously this guy was black you know um yeah 
And he, he, he at one time was also the Green Arrow, Connor Hawk was. So that's who I expect that character to be. Whether or not it ends up being that is another story. And uh, I mean, I guess... Wait, no, this would definitely have to be Earth-1, so... Because hmm. I was yeah. say a different timeline. Yeah, it's... Uh, I don't know. I mean, obviously it has to be a different timeline because... So, I mean, that's what... I guess that's the thing that you're going to have to worry about between these different shows. Flash has to deal with, with multiple Earths. Whereas uh, Legends of Tomorrow is going to have to deal with multiple timelines. Maybe all for Earth-1, though. You know what I mean? Where is it oh, okay. that you separate the fact that that you've created a parallel Earth or you've created a parallel timeline? And that's all quantum physics and, <laughs> and stuff that is a lot more complicated and above my pay grade. <laughs> <laughs> well, just from uh, what um, Stephen Novell posted on his Facebook, he posted um, a still, and it's him all old with a white goatee. And uh, you just see the back of somebody, and you just see two swords tucked away, and it said, old feuds die hard. So yeah, it could be with a different timeline. That could be Slade that he's talking about, or hinting at. Yeah, that definitely sounds like Slade. Um, we The the preview for next week's episode, and I know you don't usually you don't watch those, because you, uh, you watch them online, but the preview for next week's episode does say that Slade is going to show up. Oh shit! Is it going to be Manu? Uh, Manu Bennett? They all—they didn't show the face of the person underneath the mask, but they did have the voice in the very like short clip they had of the voice. It sounded like Manu Bennett, so I don't know. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> if it is him, <laughs> and it would be yeah. If it, if it is him, that that'd be awesome. Um. But, so then the you know the the climax of the episode of the two part episode is that uh, Jefferson Jackson and Stein basically uh, uh, mend their relationship because Jackson Jax is is constantly upset that Stein is treating him like a kid and Stein is constantly worried that Jax is going to get killed like Ro- like uh, uh, Ronnie did so. He's overprotective, while the other guy is a little is a little too hard headed and naive. And eventually, they figure out that they need the both of them to be cohesive to, to to be Firestorm, right? So uh, they defeat the Russians. The the chick, Doctor Shavak or whatever her name was, you know, had a little bit of Firestorm power in her, and she merged with Stein. But then Stein came uh, demerged from her, split from her. And uh, she overpowered and, and died. Yep. Which is pretty awesome to watch, not going to lie. You know, that's and I was going to say, I think this show definitely benefits from the fact that it's the third show in their lineup between after uh, Flash and, and, uh, and, and Arrow. That Arrow? I think it gets, yeah, it gets more of a, uh, a production budget than the other two got in their first seasons, obviously. So... They are able to do, I mean, some things that look really cool, like, you know, big explosions and, and special effects and stuff that, you know, Arrow definitely didn't get in its first season and, and Flash had limited of in its first season. Right. I think uh, we're all good for Legends of Tomorrow. Um, if you give me my uh, few minutes to talk about Agent Carter, we have three episodes. I am not going to get into depth with all of them. 
we just basically have Madame Mask becoming more and more powerful as uh, the zero. What is it called? It's called the zero effect, the zero power, the whatever it's called, uh, becomes more powerful within her. Um, Dr. Welks is tending to be lost more inside of him himself because he's, he can't keep his body tangible. Uh, but he finds out that if he gets some of the zero power in him, that he can become more, he can become tangible. Uh, they need to recreate the original experiment that caused the atomic blast, the blast that the zero power came from. And, uh, to do so, they have to steal a nuke from Roxon Corporation. And, uh, obviously, Agent Carter stops it from happening. Uh, we are seeing more a, of the FBI character, or, uh, yeah, FBI character played by Kurtwood Smith, you know, become more of a, a power behind um, the gentleman that's running the New York office of the SSR and he is foiling the things that uh, agent Carter is doing. Agent Carter eventually breaks out Dottie, her enemy from season one to info to basically have to get a blood sample from Madame mask or Whitney frost, if you will. And, uh, she's successful, but then she gets captured by Whitney frost and eventually she escapes. So she is on the run again. All these things, you know, are coming to a head. I think, I believe the next episode is the last episode of the season. Maybe it's the second to last episode of the season. Uh, but, uh, Agent Carter was run through her abdomen with an, a piece of rebar, which then they didn't want to take her to the hospital because they would have to explain what happened. They took her to Sousa's, Sousa's place or Sousa's fiance's place where uh, Sousa's fiance, who's a nurse, patched her up, but then she figured out that uh, Sousa actually left New York because he was in love with Agent Carter, and she broke off their engagement. And then uh, Anna, which is Jarvis's wife, ends up getting shot in the abdomen. So she is also in critical condition, and... Uh, Jarvis is is a big part of the the storyline there, so we'll have to see what where it all ends up in the in the next episode, if not the next few episodes. And uh, I can't wait. I mean, I do enjoy the show. It's not it's not much. It's more of a show that you can, since it's so few episodes, that it it works better if you watch them all at once instead of week to week. And um, I think it it shows in this show, uh, this this season more so. Um, but once it all becomes together and ties together, uh, it, you'll see that it's, it belongs in the Marvel cinematic universe, <laughs> but that's all I have to say about that. And, uh, I believe they're definitely, they're showing more and more, um, promos for the return of agents of shield. So, uh, that should be coming up here pretty soon. Along with Gotham, I believe is going to be returning on the 29th of February. Yep, and we will have uh, we will have that to look forward to, as well as like uh, what is it? Um, 
uh, oh, Mr. Freeze and um, my favorite character, Asriel, is is showing up. I don't know if anybody else saw the the leak set photo, but his costume looks pretty badass. Surprisingly, yes. <laughs> uh, but. Let's get on to the season mid-season premiere of The Walking Dead. I'm so upset we weren't there. <laughs> <laughs> so am I. So, so am I. Um, we had, I think, the best half season last season, or the la- last half season, or the fall season version, or the fall part of this season was probably the best half season of, of this show I've ever watched. Uh, up until the last episode, the mid-season finale was, I thought was so bad and so slow and so undeserving for this season. Uh, but this premiere episode was a return to the other episodes. I thought it was incredible. It, it was pretty good. It was good from beginning to end. How did you feel? It redeemed itself. It redeemed itself. Definitely redeemed itself. Uh, so, I mean, we ended the season or we ended, we had the mid season finale with the, the group leaving Jesse's house covered in blood in a line, trying to make it to the armory. And you had a young Sam (laughs) calling out for his mother. Yep. We all knew that meant something bad was going to happen. So we, we start off this episode and. Uh, they are walking in a line and they get to a point where they know they can't go to the armory anymore because there's just too many of them and it just wouldn't be, it wouldn't be pliable or it wouldn't be plausible. So they decide they're going to make a run for vehicles that are over by the quarry, I believe. Right. Yep. And then they're going to come back for everybody in the armory and they were going to come back for everybody else, but they know they can't do that with Judith. So, Gabriel decides to take Judith and and says he'll protect her and over at his church. How did you feel about that first? It's a mistake. Don't do it. He's a wind. It really it really did feel like a mistake. I mean, obviously they they hadn't created a character that we we could trust at this point in Gabriel. He uh he turned on them as soon as they got to Alexandria. Like the people that saved him, he turned on them and and made it so that they had uh, uh, hardships while they were there. So we didn't, we didn't expect Rick to say, okay, but I guess in this situation, it was probably the best bet. Right. For, for Judith and for them. Cause they needed to get to those cars. And Jesse tells Sam to go with Gabriel too, because it would make sense. Cause he's a small child that it'd be better off if he was somewhere safe. Because he's a little bitch. (laughs) You know, it's funny that this kid gets so much, you know, uh, so much crap and so much hardship because of, of what he ends up doing or what ends up happening to him. But I mean, he is a kid in the zombie apocalypse. What do you expect him to do? So was Carl. And how, how much in season two, it, one, two, and three, did Carl get into trouble? How many people did Carl get killed in those seasons? True. <laughs> it took him three seasons, or probably four seasons, to actually become the Carl that we can now tolerate. 
if Carl were to die now, I'd still be okay with it because I still <laughs> find him to be annoying. <laughs> but you get a uh, you know young Sam as they he decides not to go with Gabriel and he's walking in the line with the rest of the group and he uh, he freezes he sees the zombies and he freezes. Now I think it was very important that they right before he dies they have the dialogue that Carol did uh, earlier in the season where she's explaining to um, Sam what she will make the zombies do to him as in eat him alive and make him feel every bit of it. And that's going through his head. So can you blame, can, can some of the blame fall on Carol for putting that in his, in his mind that made him freeze up and die? I feel like she's totally responsible. Totally. Um, there you go. I, I, I totally feel the same way. Um, and uh, her, his death then caused the death of Jesse, which then caused the death of, uh, what was the Sam? older son's name? Oh, wait, no, not Sam. Uh, uh, Ronnie? Ronnie, yes. And then, which then caused the, the, the lost eye of Carl. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I, I now I, I like I've said in the past I haven't ever read the comic books but I I I believe this is this scene kind of plays out the same way in the comic books right right except for um the mayor um is the one that accidentally shoots Carl in the eye oh it was the mayor not Ronnie yeah not oh. Ronnie yeah okay so Michonne you know uh, so well you have you have Sam getting eaten and Jesse's freaking out. And she starts to get eating, but she won't let go of Carl's hand. hand. And uh, Carl is about to get eaten, and uh, what's his face? Rick takes out his hatchet and cuts off Jesse's hand. I do find it funny. So they, they do make this distinction because when a zombie is attacking you and they have a hold of your hand, you could cut off a zombie's hand with a hatchet in one swing. But, you know, Jesse's hand, still being alive, takes multiple swings to cut it through, which I thought was 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 pretty cool looking. Uh, yeah. And then, so Carl drops his gun while this is all going on, and Ronnie picks up the gun, and he starts pointing it at Rick, you know, basically blaming him for everything because... Rick killed his father. Rick got his mother killed. Rick got his little brother killed. And as he's about to shoot Rick, Michonne comes up and shish kebabs him right with the, right with the katana sword through the back, which saves Rick. But then he shoots wildly and takes out Carl's arm or uh, eye, his uh, right eye, I believe. Right. Yep. So as they explained it in the talking dead afterwards, the idea is that the bullet goes into the eye, but then ricochets off the eye socket so that it doesn't go into his brain, but comes out the, uh, the, the, the side of the temple. So that's the reason why he doesn't die, but he is, he no longer has an eye. Oh shit. Yeah. And this is from Greg Nicotero. So you can take it as, you know, the, the official explanation. 
then they thought that through pretty well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, how do you feel like? How do you feel about Carl losing his eye? I mean, is it reminiscent of the governor now? Ooh, <laughs> right. It's, it's the same. It's the same eye. It's the same eye. Does it foreshadow that you know if Carl lives through this, you know he could become more like the governor instead of more like his father? Damn, that's pretty hard and twisted right there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for a, a world where you have to rely a lot on your eyesight and your senses, and, and especially to be able to shoot, I mean, is this going to be a hindrance for Carl? I mean, he doesn't. I mean, it wasn't a hindrance for the the the, the governor for the most part, but the governor also had a lot of people around him, you know? Yeah. Definitely. It's gonna, it's, you know, it's gonna hinder him. It's gonna make it a lot tougher to survive in this world. In that world. In that world. So they were able to get, uh, Carl to the, the doctor or the, the girl that has to play doctor in Alexandria, which her storyline is kind of interesting too. In this episode, she is uh, hostage to the wolf uh, in this episode for most of it because if you think about it, the last time we saw them, uh, Morgan and Carol were fighting over the what what to do with him. Carol wants to kill him. Morgan says it's not you know you can't you can't kill him, uh, but he gets the he gets the drop on both of them. Gets a gun, takes off with the doctor. I don't remember what the doctor's name is. Do you? Nope. <laughs> no, we'll just call her Doc. So, as they're running through town trying to get away, they they kind of still keep having the conversation of whether or not he's he's a changed person because of what Morgan do, did, and he he constantly is he even to the point where he's like, no, I'm not changed, but I'm going to change you. I'm going to make you see it my way to the point where. You know, you're going to be like me instead of me be like you. Right. But th- but then eventually he redeems himself. There are points when he could get away without having to worry about being eaten. But he just, he decides to turn around and save the doc instead. Even to the point where he gets bitten. And, uh, and then eventually, uh, out of nowhere, Carol shoots him. Yeah. She's, up, she's up on a balcony. And she sees him, and she just wants to get her last shot in. But with his dying breath, he uh, he blocks off a bunch of a bunch of walkers so that the doc can get into the ho- get into the house safe. Yep, and so, you know it basically turns out to so like, come on, come with me. Um, if you listen to me, you'll survive. Just come with me, and I'll patch you up. Right, but. The funny thing is, is that the only person that saw uh, him do that is Carol. The doc might have seen it, but the only person that saw him sacrifice his body after he had been shot was was Carol, and she's the one who you know said that Morgan was being stupid and there's no way that that guy could be rehabilitated. Yep. I if, oh man, it was so cold blooded just to see here, Carol. I should have killed you. Which she right. tells that to Morgan, right? Yeah, but I think this is gonna. Sh- I think this is the start of maybe her seeing another way, because I mean Morgan at this point doesn't know. He thinks that he failed, 
in rehabilitating the guy. Yeah. But Carol kind of knows that he did. He, he was successful to a point. Yep. So whether or not Carol keeps it, keeps it to herself is what I guess is going to be the next big thing. Uh, I did think it was fitting that when the, all the townspeople finally came together and all of uh, Rick's group came together and they all decided to just uh, start beating down on the, the walkers, the herd that was out there. Uh, Morgan had to do the final death blow to the zombie walk or the zombie wolf, the one that he tried to keep alive for so long. Now, yeah. The other, on the Talking Dead, they were trying to talk about how Morgan eventually ended up having to change his stance and kill the guy, but I don't think he quite understood that the guy was already dead. He was already a walker at that point. He didn't kill him. He just, he put down a walker, which he's okay with. He just doesn't kill yeah. living people. Yeah. So I think that, that that was a point that they missed on that show, but uh, I thought it was it was fitting that Morgan is the one that ended up taking out the, the walker version of the wolf. I agree. What did you think about when after Carl or yeah, after they got Carl to the, to the doctor and uh, you saw that look come over Rick's face. All I could think was berserk Wolverine berserker age. Like he was, he pulls out the, the was the, the ax and the gun and decides he's just going to go out there on his own and start beating down zombies. That's exactly what happens, man. He goes full berserk and just takes, you know, walkers left and right. It, uh, it was you know, awesome. I couldn't, I couldn't imagine what it was. I mean, obviously, nothing was think, nothing was going through his brain. Uh, later on, he play, he when he you know he realizes that other people have joined in on him and are, are helping. I think I think it, he it calms his brain a little bit more and he's able to be like, oh. If we get enough people, we can actually turn this around. But I think initially it was just to go out there and just start killing and maiming and doing and, and just do stuff. Like, I don't think it, he was in the right right, right mind, obviously. He just watched the lady that he kind of started having feelings for die. And then he's possibly seeing his son die. Uh, the you know, one person that he's been trying to keep alive for so long. Um now he's he's just he's just gone crazy but not the the crazy we know from the prison but you know just kind of more of a a berserker rage um and i thought it was cute with it was like michonne like constantly trying to leave she's like i need to go out there and help rick i need to go and the doc was like no no wait wait a second i need to <laughs> i need to sew up his eye first don't don't leave <laughs> and then eventually she she gets to and she just kind of runs out there and and starts going uh going crazy with him like not trying to stop him but just starts killing things with him which you know makes more sense if she tried to stop him she probably would end up getting them both killed yeah but then everybody else from the from alexandria you know steps in and does her own part too even father gabriel even father you know what oh so that was the you know that's a real turning point for his character. And I think a lot of the audience members would say the same because he gives that little speech and he's like, look, we, we sit here, we pray, we pray for God to help us. We pray for, for God to save us. Well, he is saving us by giving us the ability to save ourselves, yep. to do things for ourselves. And he finally, you know, he, he gets, he gets it. He, he, he has to go out there and he has to do it. He has to, 
He has to kill the undead so that the living can live. So and definitely w- a good a good character development for his character for Father Gabriel, which yeah, means he probably episode, yes. is probably going to die soon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um, I want to say that montage was pretty cool of everybody just hacking up zombies. Did you think that I? You know what I got from that? I got very much House of the Dead. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was like this like video game where they're spinning around and just killing things. Even Rocky had a montage. Montage! <laughs> montage! <laughs> uh, and then, you know, Glenn and uh, What's-Her-Face were able to save Maggie, so that was good. Totally thought, you know, <laughs> we thought we were gonna, I was gonna see Glenn, we were gonna see Glenn die again. Uh, yep. But we had, we had Abraham and, and uh, Sasha come to the save with the automatic automatic assault rifles totally mowing down zombies that was pretty awesome so okay at the very beginning of the episode which we kind of skipped over but you know uh daryl and abraham and uh sasha were all being cornered by uh negan's guys (laughs) which was very funny because you got the abraham (laughs) line of who's negan (laughs) (laughs) you know his his, uh his who's diana line or diana (laughs) <laughs> uh, but it was the, the guy, the lead guy in that group was totally like, uh, you know, you're just gonna have to sit there and you're gonna have to eat the shit. You're just gonna have to do it. And you just have to do what we say and blah, blah, blah. And you're just wondering like, how is it they're going to get around these guys? What's going to happen? And all of a sudden <laughs> they just blow up. <laughs> <laughs> And all I could think was that I think that if someone were to shoot an RPG into a bunch of motorcycles that close to someone else and a fuel truck, there would have been a much bigger explosion. (laughs) Daryl and Abraham and Sasha would also be dead. They'd be barbecues. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But one, so the whole idea was that the leader of that group told the the one guy to take Daryl to the back of the, the, the truck and search it from the back to the front. Uh, for whatever items they could use. And at some point back there in the back of the truck, Daryl kills the dude. Which, okay, I'm fine with. Daryl is a badass, and we've we've made him that way since day one. But, like, he totally kills that guy, and nobody sees it. I know. And then, I was doing the same thing. I would think that the RPG would be sitting in the cab, where they were all sitting, but... It seems like it must have been in the back of the truck, just hanging off the back of the truck, because uh, you would think they they would have saw Daryl climb into the cab, grab the RPG, and then point it at the motorcycles. Yep. <laughs> and, you know, hanging an RPG on the back of the truck, that seems safe. Yeah. That's, yeah, not safe <laughs> at all, really. <laughs> I mean, it's not like it's a truck that has a uh, 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 bed back there or a uh, a big container like a, a moving truck. It's a it's a it's a gas truck. It's it's all gas back there. <laughs> <laughs> so then they so they get the gas truck back to Alexandria and <laughs> they start to pour the gasoline into the 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 lake, the man made lake right there in the middle of Alexandria. And to light it up, instead of just throwing a match, a lighter, you know, <laughs> something simple, Daryl decides, nope, 
I'm going to shoot another RPG into the lake and catch it on fire that way. Now, I, if I remember correctly, when Abraham picked that up, I think they had a total of four RPGs. Daryl has now used two. Wasted at least one. <laughs> so that leaves two for whatever problems they come up for in the future. Which we already know, one of those problems is going to be Negan. Yep. <laughs> Uh, how do you feel about that? Him using an RPG to light the lake on fire? It was a waste. Um, but I mean, the way I was thinking, I was like, well, you want to attract as many zombies as possible. So if, you know, there's a loud explosion, the zombies are going to follow the explosion. True. But we already saw from when Daryl and, uh, Beth were on their own, when they lit that cabin on fire, the, the, Zombies just are attracted to the fire. They just walk up to it. So he didn't need the explosion, just needed the fire in general. Which I always thought, like, why, when you're in the middle of a herd like that, why not light one of them on fire? You know, it seems like it would be a really useful way of, of, one, distracting a good part of the herd. Two, you catch one zombie on fire, you're more likely going to catch more zombies on fire. (laughs) <laughs> and eventually their brains will boil and they'll die because all you have to do is damage the brain and and yep. they're done. However, then you do have a flaming zombie coming at you, possibly. Which is too risky. <laughs> I guess it's just a little too risky. <laughs> so, how do you feel at this point in season six if that's what we're on the one of the main like uh selling points of the show of the walking dead since season one is that anybody could die any character could possibly die a main character do you really feel like any one of the main group now could could possibly die okay so i don't think they're gonna follow the comics i don't think that negan is gonna kill glenn because we've had too many scare tactics for Glenn. You know, this being number two for this season. Right. So, if they were to kill him off, I don't think it would have as much impact on us as viewers. I, but see, I think that's... That, okay, I get what you're saying. Uh, and I totally agree that I, that could be happening. But I also think that that's why they're doing it. So that it won't have as much of an impact. If you think about how, how much of an uproar it was after... He supposedly died the first time at the dumpster. Uh, you know, that totally, uh, it got people up in arms, but then you find out he's alive. So it's like, okay, well, we're safe. Shit, you cut and out. this time he's about to get killed by a whole bunch of the zombies. And then uh, uh, Abraham and Sasha mow him down with machine guns. Like, okay. By the time it comes around to the Negan actually killing him with, the, with uh, Lucille, maybe there won't be as big of an uproar and people won't be as upset. Like they'll be upset that the character's gone, but they won't be like, "Oh my god, I can't believe it! I don't want to watch this show anymore." You know what I mean? Right. I don't it'll know. Be less, I... It'll be less shocking and less of a. It'll be less blunt. I don't know. I feel um somebody's still gonna get Lucille, but I have a feeling it might be either Daryl or it might be Abraham. I really don't see them killing off off Daryl. I I mean. The I mean the internet meme is an internet meme for a reason. <laughs> uh, 
I just I feel like I, I really don't feel like anybody in the in the main group. So like Glenn, Maggie, Carol, Rick, Carl, Michonne. I believe that they're all safe. Abraham, Eugene, uh, what's the the Spanish chick's name? Rosita. Rosita. They could possibly die. I could see them biting it, but I feel like that main core group is is going to be safe for for a very long time. Okay. I mean, who's the last main death that you can remember? I think was it Tyrese. Yeah. Because I, I don't count Deanna. Deanna was, you know, uh, an Alexandrian. Um, all those people, everybody that, even Tyrese, you know, wasn't there at the beginning. He showed up in what, season three? Season four? Season three when they're in prison. Yeah, season three. I mean, he showed up with Sasha. Yep. Um, I, I just don't, I don't see... Beth would probably be the the last main character that died that's been there since season... Well, she came in season two. Yeah, on the farm. Yeah, on the farm. I just don't... I don't feel... I feel like they need to throw in a very shocking death here soon or else it's going to be that there's not going to be a chance that any any main characters die anytime soon. You know what I mean? Right. Do, do you think this show is starting to become like Game of Thrones? Again, anybody could die. I think that's what needs to happen. I think Game of Thrones still does that, where where any any character could possibly die at any moment. Uh, whereas this show, we I feel that we are very safe with the main. Was it six? So it's Rick, Carl, Michonne, Carol, uh, Glenn and Maggie. Glenn and Maggie, yeah, the Glenn and Maggie being safe. Morgan might die, but you know he's a fan favorite, but he. I mean, he seems like he's been there since the beginning because he was in episode one, but, I mean, he was only in, up until this season, he was only in, what, three episodes? Four episodes? Right. So, he, he could, he's a fan favorite, but he, he could very much die at any moment. Well, and I mean, I guess, uh, you, you do have the source material, like, this character hasn't really died off, so we might, you know, we have to keep him alive until this point, I guess you could say. Right, like you're, you're like, you, like like you're speaking about like Glenn. Yeah. Right. We know that he in the comic book he died this certain way. We kind of want to keep him to that point where he dies that way. However, you know, you got characters like uh, Andrea that died in the TV show, not the and and not the way that she. Well, she's still alive in the in the comic book, right? Yeah, she's still alive. Yeah. And she kicks a lot of ass. Well, she's what Sasha has become. Yeah. A really good sniper. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. It's... Yeah, I, I really feel like they need to kill off a main character here soon. Do you think tonight's... Uh, um, do you think this following episode we'll see uh, Negan finally? I really don't think that he's going to show up for a while. Maybe like the season finale? Maybe the episode before the season finale. Okay. So, yeah. Robert but, Kirkman did say that he got uh, goosebumps watching Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Megan. Well, I mean, I get goosebumps just watching Jeffrey Dean Morgan by anybody. The guy's pretty good. The guy's good. 
Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you want to say about this episode? I thought it was, like we said at the beginning, I thought it was a very great episode. Very good. Uh, and very much on par with the rest, with most of this season so far. Uh, yeah, this uh, episode redeemed itself for, you know, the shitty mid-season finale. Picked it back up. So I hope the rest of the season is pretty exciting as this one has yeah, been. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, I think it's it's good that the the rest of Alexandria has has stepped out of their state of fear uh, and and took up arms and decided to take you know take their fate into their own hands and I I, I think it's going to show Rick that you know these people are uh, you know capable of, of taking care of themselves to a point and that he can't just write them off he he needs to either show them how to fight or help protect them. Instead of being more like, uh, if you need to get gone, you get gone. You don't worry about their people. Exactly. Cool. Uh, I'm good. How about yourself? I am good as well. And before we say our goodbyes, I do want to say happy birthday, Mitch. <laughs> well, thank you, Daniel. I, I appreciate that. And, uh, uh, you know, happy belated birthday to you. Uh, I did subtitle our last episode that, though. So just so you know, I don't know if you saw that. I saw it and thank okay. you. <laughs> Good. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, but having said that, Daniel, why don't you go ahead and give out your Twitter handle? It is Daniel Von Helvet. And I am at agent underscore of the underscore bat. I expect to hear some uh, mean tweets at me uh, about <laughs> all the things that I have said today. And uh, just to reiterate, X-Men The Last Stand is the better of the three movies. <laughs> blasphemy <laughs> uh, also you can find us at Geek Elite Radio on Twitter Geek Elite Radio on Facebook and geekeliteradio.com is our website so uh, with that also check out uh, our sponsor for this episode Mobius Leather they are found on Facebook uh, any customized leather projects you want you can uh, see them and tell them Geek Elite Radio sent you but until next time, this has been Televised Heroics on the Geek Elite Radio Networks saying Geek, Geek out. out. <laughs> we now return you to your regularly scheduled program.